Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Slam podcast. Um, it was quite a busy weekend, to be fair. Quite a busy week and a busy weekend. Um, although there wasn't a, an elevated event this week on the PGA Tour, there was plenty to play for. Um, the John Deere Classic at the um, Maiden Hibland on the DP World Tour. Um, so we'll get cracking with all, all, all of these things. Um, but first, I'd like to introduce... Um, his second appearance as well on, on, on the Slam podcast, uh, Matt Coles. Matt, how was your week last week? How was the weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, obviously. Like you say, a lot of golf going on. We had, you know, um, open qualifying, which, which you went to yourself. We had Live Golf. We had DP World Tour. We had PGA Tour. We had, of course, the US Women's Open. Um, so it's been a very busy week. I myself took a day off, went to the cricket on mm-hmm. Saturday, Um and eventually, after some rain, we actually saw some cricket, which was nice um, on Saturday evening. Um, so you must have been, you must have been, so you, you must have been sat for like six six or so hours waiting for it to start. Uh, yeah, about that. We got there about half ten because um, we thought there's no point rushing to get in because it was still raining at that point. Um, and then, yeah, proceeded to sit around for the next six hours or so, eating you know ridiculously expensive food and. Drinking ridiculously expensive drinks. Um, but <laughs> How, much to... How much was a beer? How much was a beer? Uh, Headingly. Uh, a beer in the in the bar we were at was six fifty, which isn't too bad actually for yeah. a stadium. You can sort of swallow that, can't you? Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> see what you did there. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional. <laughs> um, rolling those puns out on a Monday morning. Um, but no, yeah, it was it was good, and obviously the, the sun came out. Um, so yeah, it was a good good evening in the end after a, a very well. They got a few wickets in. The, they got a few wickets in the evening, didn't they? Which obviously helped them help them massively to win because they didn't have to chase down much of a score, really, did they? No, exactly. Yeah, we were sort of worried that it was going to get more than two fifty, two sixty, but we managed to keep them to that. And then obviously on Sunday was a nice relaxed day at home with the, the cricket was on, then the F one was on, the golf was on. It was a very much a three four screen setup throughout the Sunday. That's for sure. Yeah, we put on we put on the Grand Prix for a bit. I'm not to be honest. I don't really um, watch F1 at all. Um, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of it. I've never got into it. I've not I've not seen. I'm probably the only person on the planet who's not seen Drive to Survive. Um, <laughs> but it seems like it seems like the F1 season. I, I, I apologise for being uneducated, but it seems like the F1 season is being massively dominated by one person, isn't it? Yeah, it would. It's essentially. Remember that run where Scotty Scheffler had three wins in five weeks yeah. and went straight to world number one? It's kind of that, but over a longer period of time. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, Max Verstappen we're talking about, obviously, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's won the last six races. Um, Has he? Yeah. But the uh, the race behind was fun, which was kind of what everyone was there for. Oh, um, and, and two Brits on the podium as well for the first time since, I think, 2000 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think the fans there. I knew I know quite a few people who are actually there, um, but they uh, they would have all had a good time in, in the sunshine on on Sunday afternoon. Of course, nice, nice. Um, well, let's let's stop talking about F one and cricket. Let's talk about let's talk about a bit of golf. Um, I mentioned we'll go through all the all the um, all, all the weeks goings on on on, on tour. But I, I, what I thought he'd like to start um, at the US Women's Open, um, which concluded last night at Pebble Beach. So Alison Corpers won her maiden. Uh, major title at the famous Pebble Beach. Um, I thought it was nice um, as Michelle Wee bowed out um, from her career, um, hailing from Hawaii. It was nice to see Alison Corpus, a fellow Hawaii um, um, native, win by three shots over Charlie Hull and Xie Jin. 
Um, it was great to see Charlie Hull sort of make a make a real sort of fist of it in the in in the, in the final round. It would have been great to see um, an English woman win win the U.S. Open. Um, but what I found quite interesting afterwards, I think that was the only the seventh American to win the U.S. Women's Open in the last twenty three years, and the last one was two thousand sixteen with um, Brittany Lang, I believe. So that's I found that really interesting reading reading afterwards and having having watched having watched the footage. Um, but I thought it was great afterwards. Uh, Alison Corpus said, "My mind is racing." Um, like like I said yesterday, this is really a dream come true. It was something I had dreamed of, but at the same time, kind of never just ex- really expected it to happen. Um, she alluded to Tiger's absolutely dominant victory in the U.S. Open um, so many years ago. Um, so, so it's a course that's obviously just full of full of history. Hosting the U.S. Women's Open for the very first time, I believe it's opened the women, U.S. Women's Amateur a couple of times, but not the um, Women's Open. Um, but all four rounds under par from Corpus, um, a really, really top top display. Your your, your thoughts on Allison's win? Yeah, you mentioned that the four rounds under par. I think if you know if you shoot four rounds under par, you're in with a chance of winning any tournament anywhere in the world. And and I think she was the only only woman to do it across uh, across the four days. It sort of shows the consistency that she had, you know, across the week. Um, you also you know you mentioned the Hawaii native as well. Um, I saw. Barack Obama actually tweeted um, a shout out to you know and and said um, I think I've got it I've got it somewhere he said um, congratulations to fellow Hawaiian Alison Corpus for winning the US Women's Open you make us all proud and I look forward to a round with you at Kapolei so um, there's a there's a nice little uh, I mean long... if you win a major that opens. I mean, the, 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 you can you can open doors by winning a major, but that is a specifically big door that's open. There. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you could get exemptions into this, that, and the other. But do you get an exemption to play with Barack Obama as well? I mean, this <laughs> it's a it's a very big thing. But yeah, I thought she played very well, and obviously there was that that brief moment in the middle of the round where you know she was put on the clock for slow play, mm. um, which I'll be honest, I thought was a little bit harsh having looked back at it because um, you know. Yes, I know you've got to have you know uniform rules for whoever's playing whatever part of the tournament it is, but when you know she's, I think it was on the thirteenth, she was two shots clear, and it was simply the wind changed direction, so she stepped off the shot. Um, it, to me, it felt a little bit harsh um, mm. because you know it's the biggest, you know, the biggest six holes of her career coming up down the stretch. Um, but you know, I think they were taken off the clock. Um, about ten or fifteen minutes later, and obviously she went on to to birdie a couple of holes on the way in, and it didn't really seem to actually face her that much. And she was only a rookie last year, Alison Corpus, and she knocked on the door earlier this year at the um, Chevron Championship. Only a last round two over par, um, last round of two over par, sort of denied her a place in at least a playoff at the Chevron Championship, which was eventually won by Lilia Vu, of course. Um, but yeah, that's one of those things with slow play that's quite sort of. Bit pernickety, bit specific, isn't it? Maybe as part of this great, this massive debate, that that that's where it becomes quite nitpicky and difficult to actually enforce penalties, isn't it? Because yeah, you've got that human side of it when you're in contention for a major championship, um, and these things happen, like you said, a change of a change of direction of winds. Um, just a, just general nerves, just general anxiety. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure the same shot or similar shots in the first round. Obviously, the first round is equally as important, but maybe they wouldn't take as long um, mm. as the second, as as the very last round. When you know, 
a, a really um, historic moment and a career moment is is on the line. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's. I mean, like I say, she she was unfazed by it, um, but we saw it happen, you know, at Live Golf um, in Andalusia with <clears throat> Richard Bland. Obviously, that was the sort of first big thing because they'd said, you know, Live Golf had said, you know, when when mm. when they started that slow play was going to be, you know, completely ruled out in you know in that league. Um, but maybe that just brought it to the fore a little bit, and maybe there was talk of it, you know. Um, prior to the start of the US Women's Open with, with you know, among the tournament referees. Um, I did see that usually on, on the LPGA Tour, I think it was that they're fined for slow play, whereas they'd been told at the start of the week that they'd be given, you know, they'd be having strokes added to their score mm. this week. Um, so I know her caddy was definitely thinking about that. Um, I think you mentioned that uh, in an interview afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, she got the job done um, and joined... A, a, a very strong list of, of players who've won the US Women's Open, um, and and a couple who won that on their first, you know, as their first tour title as well. Annika Sorenstam, Laura Davis, two massive names in in women's golf, and the US Women's Open was their first LPGA tour title as well, just like Corpus. So, you know, I'm not saying she's going to go on to have the career that that those two have had. You know, <laughs> Sorenstam is you know known as the goat, and Dame Laura Davies obviously has had an incredible career as well. But it's definitely a very good start for someone so young and and so fresh to the game. Did you see um, what her caddy's name was? I did. This was mentioned. I think we, we mentioned it this morning <laughs> prior to this. Um, and it's not a name you kind of want to have in golf at the moment, is it? No. Well, for those who don't know, Alison Corpus's caddy's name is Jay Monaghan, which I, I find absolutely extraordinary. I, I was reading about the slow play penalty this morning as I woke up. And um, I, I read, I was reading, 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 and then it said her caddy, Jay Monaghan. And I thought, well, that, that must be a mistake. Maybe they've written... Um, another article on Jay Monaghan, and it's still in their mind. They've written Jay Monaghan, but then it says Monaghan said, Monaghan said. So obviously, this was the name of her caddy, which is absolutely incredible, considering, well, just just the last few weeks and the fact that Jay Monaghan recently announced that he'd be back on the on July the seventeenth mm. um, to his CEO duties after a medical situation. But yeah, I found that quite bizarre. I know it's. You, you think you know. All the, there'll be conspiracy theories probably to say, you know, where he's been for the last few weeks. Oh, he's been caddying for Alison yeah. Gorpuz, you know. Um, yeah, I read when you, you sent that to me, I was like, no, this can't be right, surely. It's, but like you say, it's obviously just one of those quirks of the game that, you know, there are so many people involved in the game that every now and then you get something like that. I know. I've been in apologies to to Jay and Alison for, for us not knowing that before. That, that is, that is, in, that is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Corp has also finished tie fifteenth at the recent Women's PJ Championship, um, so she's won a five-year exemption on the LPGA Tour now, as well as countless exemptions at the majors. So, massive congratulations to her. Um, she's now, I believe, the twentieth first-time major winner in the last twenty-one LPGA well, uh, Women's majors, which which I find absolutely incredible. I think that just shows the depth of quality in in the women's game. Um, that's, to have yeah, twenty I mean, first time major winners in twenty one majors, that's that, that's mind blowing. Yeah, that's incredible, and and it's not also 
the good thing about the, the women's game is that they're not all from one part of the world either. You've got Europeans, you've got um, players from Far East Asia, you've got you know Lydia Ko from New Zealand, um, and then you've got Americans and Canadians and so on. So I think it's it's a very good a very good wide field that the, the women's game has at the moment. And like I say, it means realistically anyone in a major championship could go on and win it right now. Yeah, certainly. Well, that, that literally that literally shows by by these statistics. Um, so yeah, massive congratulations to Alison, Alison Corpus. It was great to see the US Women's Open played at Pebble Beach. We'll move on to the DP World Tour now, and well, we'll mix sort sort of in the DP World Tour and the PJ Tour because the interests um, of Luke Donald would have been honed in massively this this weekend because yes. Rasmus Hogard, Hoygard, um won his fourth DP World Tour title, um, beating Nacho Elvira in a marathon six-hole playoff um, at the Made in Himalayan. So a good win on home turf for for Hoygaard. Um, and as we were sort of referring to beforehand, um, before we started recording, that is now um, Hoygaard up to fifth in the European Ryder Cup points list, which is very well placed. Um, the top three of that points list get into the team automatically. And as the weeks tick over, we're getting closer to the deadline. So, yeah, he's got a perfect record in playoffs as well. So he clearly enjoys playing under pressure. Maybe he's perfect for the Ryder Cup team in that sense. Yeah, I mean, like you say, perfect record in playoffs. I think, four, I think three of his four wins um, on tour have, have now come in playoffs. And four wins by the age of 22 is is almost unheard of on, on the DP World Tour uh, You know, in recent years. Um, first Danish winner of the tournament in what is its last, uh, you know, edition under this particular name. I think it's going to become um, a different sponsor and maybe the Danish Open next year. But the the last edition of the Maiden Himmeland and for a Danish player to, to win it this year was, was great. And the crowds looked, it was big crowds out there as well. I think mainly because Rasmus was obviously in, in contention, that's obviously going to help. But like you say, a marathon playoff and some very good golf played in that playoff as well. Yeah, well, I was thinking... I'm... Watching the playoff, you know, it's quite re- repetitive, obviously. Like, they're just making par after par after par. Um, and on 18 again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I thought that, although that 18th is a brilliant, it looks like a brilliant hole. I've not obviously mm. never been to the venue, but um, the 18th looks like a brilliant hole and there's a lot of jeopardy involved there. But yeah, I don't know, because they've mixed it up. I mean, I have discussed this before with um, our old colleague, that colleague Alex on, on, on the slam, um, about what we can do about playoffs. Um, we had some quite out there <laughs> ideas that will never ever happen, but I, I think I argued that it is easier just if it's on the same hole because it's fans aren't running over back and forth to different holes. But w- w- what was your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I mean, when you've got a hole like eighteen, I mean, if you go back to regulation play, Richie Ramsey was was you know one clear going down the eighteenth and and ended up taking six because he put his approach into the water to actually kill his chances of making the playoff or winning it in, in, in regulation. Um, so obviously it, it was always going to be a good hole for a playoff for, for you know, two men to go head to head. But yeah, I think, you know, you look at majors and you think, you know, the Open has the full hole aggregate playoff, you know, now with, with you know, you see it at some hops, some places it's 15, 16, 17, 18 or 1, 2, 17, 18 or so on. Um and you think maybe something like that, maybe a three-hole aggregate playoff or, or something like that, um, because then at least the fans know that it's going to be, you know, let's say 16, 17, 18, um, and they can, you know, disperse around around the area. 
Um, but like you say, I think the the fact that the fans are all there around the 18th green mm. makes playing 18 again and again sort of the more obvious format, especially when it's mm. only two players. Yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame, wasn't it, to see Richie Ramsey um his double bogey on the last hole. We actually tweeted. Um, he tweeted afterwards to say today will hurt for a long time, but I did play very well. Played to win, so took that shot on. Just didn't come out great. My daughter told me she was proud of me. Massive cushion for today. So there's always that for for, for Ramsey, who who's also in the Open. He's, he's qualified for the Open Championship, um, which is something we referred to last week as well. Um, with these tournaments, I mean, it, he had already qualified anyway before this tournament. But yeah. for example, such as Nacho Elvira, um, Mark Warren, and Kali Samuja, um, they didn't win. They came very close. They didn't win in Denmark. However, they are now in the Open Championship. Um, I mean, a bit more bittersweet for Nacho Alvira, obviously, because yeah. he did lose in the playoff. Yeah, he would have liked to have won. You know, yeah, exactly. So commiserations to him. But um, he, he is now in the Open. Um, so as we referred to last week, there is at this time of the year, there is these, these little consolation prizes where they can have a shot at a, a bit of major glory, can't they? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's... Although Nacho will have wanted to to win, obviously everyone wants to, to win on tour every week. You know that that sort of, for want of a better phrase, dangling carrot of of playing at Royal Liverpool. You know, in what ten days' time, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you only had this week and and you know next week coming up to actually qualify for for the Open. If you you know you didn't go through final qualifying um, across the four venues in the UK last week so it's you know it's big for them because it's big for ranking points big for prize money as well um you know a big week at Royal Liverpool and and that could set them up for maybe not for life but four five six years yeah certainly um as we mentioned Hoygaard he's he rose nine places with that win um according to the latest Ryder Cup ranking so he's now fifth on the European points list so the top three well the top two are locked up so it's John Rahman and Roy McIlroy they aren't going to fall out the top top three you'd, you'd fancy and Yannick Paul is third, Adrian Moronk is fourth, then you have Hoygaard, then you have Perez, uh, uh, Victor Perez, Adrian Otegi, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Jorge Campillo, and then Robert McIntyre. Now, with Robert McIntyre, he's a player that I, I, I think we, we all are big fans of Robert McIntyre. He's very sort of outgoing um, on some of the content that DP World Tour produced. He's really, really um, quite funny. Um, Got a fantastic swing. He won the Italian Open um, not too long ago, beating Matt Fitzpatrick <clears throat> in a playoff and also overcoming Roy McIlroy. So at the Ryder Cup venue this year. So a pretty um a pretty good win there. Um but since but since then you thought he might kick on. Um he stalled he stalled a bit. Um and with time ticking, he is now eleventh in the European points list, but it is likely going to. He's likely going to need um, a captain's pick. A captain's pick, isn't he? Yeah. He's just one of those players. I just want you to sort of mention because he's popular. He's, he's clearly a brilliant player. He's played in lots of majors at the minute. He's got a good record at the Masters. Um, but I just thought he'd kick on a bit from that Italian Open win in September of last year. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say he has. No, I mean, he was also right in the hunt. I think he was one. He was leading with sort of five, six holes to play, but a triple bogey 
halfway through the back nine, absolutely put pay to any chances. And I think he ended up almost slipping out of the top 10, if not actually slipping out of the top 10 this week in Denmark. Um, and like, obviously, you've seen how Hoygaard's, you know, risen up the rankings um, on the European points list. You know, that would have been that would have been Bob if he'd have won. Um, but obviously, it wasn't to be. I think, you know, there's one more chance this week. I don't know if he's playing or not. Um, but yeah, he's probably going to need that that captain's pick. You know, like you say, McElroy and Rama are very much done as the top two in the European points list. But then that third spot is very much up for grabs. You know, Yannick Paul, um, Adrian Moronk, Rasmus Hoygaard now. Um, any of those could take that this week. Um, then obviously Fleetwood's further down, but he is on the world points list thanks to his his PGA Tour exploits along with um, Hovland and Hatton. Um Fleetwood's there, but he's just behind Fitzpatrick, I think, on the world points mm. list. So he needs a big week as well. Um, but you would imagine after what Tommy has done in the Ryder Cup that he will get a pick no matter what. Mm. Mm. Um, one question, just thinking of Tommy and talking of the Ryder Cup, with it being on Italian soil, will a certain Molinari be picked as an outside choice? <laughs> Do you think? I've just, you know, that we know the partnership they've had over the years. It's on home soil in Italy. I think there might be a chance that Luke Donald goes there, you know. I really do, especially if live golfers aren't going to be part of it. Mm, well, John, yeah. Johnson said mean... they will be for the American side, but we don't know whether they will be for the European side. You know, we'll, it's he could very well be in the reckoning, despite not being... Anywhere near his best form. Mm. Well, of course, his brother's one of the vice captains and leads this statistical sort of approach to to the European team. So Eduardo Molinari is going to play a vital role um, in in what Europe will hope will be um, another win on home soil. But I suppose Francesco. I mean, what a cliff he's fallen off. I mean, I hate to I hate to break it to you, but he's he's missed his last four cuts on the PGA Tour and. He then came tied 40th at Wells Fargo, tied 24th at Mexico, then missed two cuts before that as well. Um, overall, he's, he's missed nine nine cuts in 15 events in America. Um, so I suppose the, the, the partnership with Tommy Fleet would be the only the angle, I suppose. Um, although he did play at the Hero Cup, didn't he, in, in, in January. Um, he, was, he was the continental European captain, I believe. Yes, he was, um, yeah. So... I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics with the European team. You mentioned live golfers there. I'd, 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 I'd be prepared to say that no live golfers will be, be, be part of the European team, I don't think. Hmm. I mean, half of them have resigned from the DP World Tour. And then you've only got Thomas Peters, who, sort of, who did play well at Live Golf London. But I don't think he's shown any, any sort of form to be involved in Ryder Cup selection. Yeah, I mean, if if you think about sort of the the Europeans who went to live golf, it was a lot of the the older guard, mm. really. You know, the likes of Poulter, Stenson, Westwood. Um, I think Paul Casey went as well. Um, you know, those who were into their you know forties now. Um, and is that the way? Obviously, Luke Donald will have been probably still is good friends with them all, and having played with them in in Ryder Cups and so on. But would he want to? Would he want to pick them anyway? Maybe not. I think the European Ryder Cup team is going to go in a different direction with with youth, which is kind of what the Americans have done over the last few events. And you know, we saw what happened at 
um, whistling straights a couple of years ago and, and what domination it was. Um, and obviously Luke will be hoping that isn't the case at Marco mm. Simone in uh, in September. Mm, certainly. But we had another um, more, more significant movements in Team Europe in America as well because um, Sepp Strack has secured his second PJ Tour win um, at the John Deere Classic. So Sepp Stracker um, has previously won the Honda Classic. Now he's secured his second win in Illinois um, by two shots. He was on 59 watch for quite a while, wasn't he? He was. I think he had to play his last four holes in one under. And I sort of saw that there was a par five left um, at TPC Deer Run that he that, that was appeared to be his best chance. But mm. um, he ended up double bogey in the last hole, <laughs> which which was a 62 in the end. But I think it was just his career low PJ Tour round. And he won by two shots from Brendan Todd and Alex Smalley. So um, only t- only two players have won um, on the PJ Tour with a sub-60 final round. And that was David Duval um, in 1999 and Stuart Appleby in 2010. So it would have been some some feat for Stracker to break 60 and to win. Um, but he was asked about the Ryder Cup after- afterwards. He spoke about the Ryder Cup afterwards. He said, September is a few months away. and I'm glad my game is in good shape. Hopefully I can make a push for that. So... At this stage of the year, not only are, are our minds focused on the Ryder Cup, but certainly the the players are as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, for 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 Sepp, an Austrian who's come through, you know, the PGA Tour, tour ranks. You know, now you say a two time uh, winner on the tour. For him to be in and amongst it with the likes of, you know, he's behind. Well, he's sort of. You'd argue that the first not big name on the on the world points list for the Europeans, you know, it's it's Rahm, McElroy, Hovland, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, and then Sepp Straker. So it's you know, for him to be pushing those guys in that what is now top seven. Um and as we mentioned, Rahm and McElroy obviously qualifying through the European points list, so it's three through five currently on the on the world points list. He's very much got a chance of 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 making that spot, and if not along with, you know, Hoygaard um, and a few others in contention, he could definitely very well take a, a captain's pick from Luke Donald. Certainly. I mean, a, a two-time PJ Tour winner um, on on the European team could be quite a significant commodity because, you know, you've got Tommy Fleetwood, who's, I mean, he's not won on the PJ Tour yet. He's won quite a few times on DP World Tour. Um, but if you look at Stracker and Fleetwood... I mean, Fleetwood's obviously, I think he's definitely going to be on the team. But Stracker's won twice on the, on the PJ Tour now. He's proven he can get it over the line in America. And I think D- Donald will certainly have to look at that. If if Stracker doesn't qualify automatically, Donald will certainly be having to look at his records and seriously considering him for a pick if he doesn't get in automatically. He's now risen to seventh, one place behind Fleetwood on the world points list. Um, and currently, Hovland, as we mentioned earlier, Hovland, Hatton and Fitzpatrick are the current three players who are qualifying on that list. So he's only two points behind Matt Fitzpatrick. So another win or just more good performances um, could cause another another shift in, in, in the rankings. I mean, with, with Ryder Cup Europe, it seems there's two or three places up for grabs. I think if you've got Rahm, McElroy, Hovland, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Lowry... Um, Molinari, just throwing it out there. <laughs> Molinari, maybe. Um, Justin Rose, Justin Rose, and, and so, so that's that's eight. I think we, I think they've got a core of eight or nine players. So that leaves three or four that are up for grabs. I think 
So it's quite an open-ended sort of bottom of the team sheet, if you like, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got you know the likes of um, Alex Noren, who's played in it mm. before. You mentioned Thomas Peters at Live Golf, if that is a, a route that they might go down, who's played in it before and played very well before. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely think we're going to see a few European debutants um, mm. in in Rome this year for sure. I don't know if you've cottoned on to this to, to um, all this talk on Twitter around Ludwig Aberg. Yes, I did see that. He, so he's coming. He was um, PGA Tour U number one, wasn't he? Mm. And I think it's been. I think the PGA Tour tweeted it, it was forty-one days since he hit his last collegiate golf shot, and yeah. he was very close. I don't know. Was it tied second? He finished this week or tied fourth, maybe um, at the John Deere. But he's been in mm. great form. This this young Swede, and again, very much a possible wildcard selection for Luke Donald. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, the PJ Tour have pushed out quite a lot of footage of this lad, and I don't, I don't know. He's still ranked 528th in the world. Obviously, that is going to massively improve soon. Like he's on the up, so his world ranking might not be, might not be um, relevant. But yeah, it's it's not indicative of how he's actually playing at the moment. Yeah, for sure. yeah. But by the time the Ryder Cup comes round, he might not be ranked in the top 100. And for Luke Donald to choose someone not who's not ranked that highly, if you just look at the uh, world ranking as, as as one element of it, it would be a big call to um, include Ludwig Aberg. And the only reason I, 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 I'm talking about him is because he, I feel like he is a bit of a buzz topic on social media. He is a bit of a he is a player that everyone's sort of cottoning onto. Um, but he only turned professional this year. I mean, I don't think anyone who has ever played in the Ryder Cup has turned pro and then played in the Ryder Cup in the same year. I might be wrong, but I'd, I'd, I'd hazard a guess to say I'm not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it would be one hell of a story, wouldn't it? I mean, but like, like I say, he's playing very well at the moment. You know, he was world, uh, sorry, best ranked amateur in the world, I should say, mm. um, for a period of time. He, you know, he's proven he can do it on the big stage in, in coming, you know, tied fourth this week with, with a great eight under par final round at, at Deer Run. And is it worth is it worth a punt for Luke Donald? You know, he's mm. he's playing against Americans on, on the PGA Tour um, and he's not got that sort of trauma of playing, Amer- you know, the Americans before, mm. you know, the battering that Europe got at, at Whistling Straits. He's not got that sort of, you know, that in his mind. He's going to go in fresh and think, True. yeah, I can, take, I can take these guys on. Yeah, come on, bring it on. So don't be surprised if that yeah, is certainly. the way he goes. Well, he um, he became the first. He was the number one player, as we, as we just said, in the 2023 PJ Tour University ranking. And he made him the first player to earn PJ Tour membership via the PJ Tour University. Um he was ranked first in the amateur golf rankings. Um, he earned membership this year and as well as next year, but it, his his exemptions next year are subject to um, sort of reshuffles and things like that. Um, I just think I don't. I, I wouldn't want this lad to like re- read all this online, see all the tweets, and I don't know, believe his own hype or feel the pressure because he is literally outside the top five hundred in the world. I know we've just said that he's going to likely rapidly improve. 
but he is still ranked um, quite low. And at just at 23, he's not won on the PGA Tour yet. He's he's had fleeting. He, he's had only a, he's had a short career on the PGA Tour so far. And if you think about Luke Donald, how he w- he will want to deliver a win for Europe in September, he's likely not he's likely not going to captain Europe next year or, or, or at the next Ryder Cup. Um, he might he might again one day, but obviously likely not not again in two years time. So he wants to win now. He doesn't want to look at the future, surely Donald. He wants to win now, and is is choosing Ludwig Aberg to win now. The, the best decision it might be it, it, he might he might absolutely smash it in the next few weeks he's 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 playing the scottish open next week uh, this week um which is obviously a, a world class like the best field possible um so so we will have to see but i don't know i hope this i hope just hope he doesn't feel the pressure and the heat and the hype of of what's going on at the minute yeah i mean if 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 luke donald was to pick him I don't know. It kind of screams Sven Goran Eriksson picking Theo Walcott. <laughs> yeah, from it does. Club yeah, all those years ago, um, all, all the English fans will will remember that. Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Um, you know, like I say, he's not got that that trauma of, of being battered mm. by the Americans a couple of years ago. You know, he's been he's obviously been better than the American amateurs coming through, and, and uh, on those on PGA Tour U as well. Um, but yeah, it would be a very, very big call unless he was to say finish top five or top ten at the Renaissance this week, mm. and then Royal Liverpool. You know, it it's going to need a couple of big performances, I think, if he's to actually properly push himself into contention. Yeah, certainly. Um, so another big event uh, happens last week was Live Golf London. I, I, I was there. I went on Thursday and Friday. Um, I didn't see the weekend, but I watched a bit of it on on at, at the weekend, um, and I just thought I'd, I'd give my sort of thoughts on the comparison to it last year. I was there last year at the very first live first ever live golf event yeah, at Centurion, um, and last year it was very sort of the atmosphere was a bit strange. No one really knew what to expect. All the preparation and the teams and the players, it was very off the cuff. The, the organisation was very off the cuff. They they hurried it out. They they they, they pushed out the the eight eight event schedule, um, and it felt like a bit of an exhibition. If it didn't, there wasn't the crowds weren't incredible. The field was a bit weak, um, in my opinion. But this year, um, it was like it was honestly like night and day. I, I thought the crowds were brilliant on the Friday. Um, the setup was much more established. There was big screens, more leaderboards. I think um, there was more of a buzz. The merchandise tent was up. There was more. You, you could see. You could, you could see more of the identity of Live. I think um, it was largely based around the Majestics team or the branding because they're sort of the majority, the UK team with Westwood Poulter and Laurie Cantor in the team, then Herrick Stenson being the other one. So there was a lot of there was a lot of that going on um there was like a little sticks thing like like for children in the fan village um there was a little mini golf course which was there i think last year there was a tattoo parlor which i found quite interesting i didn't know if it was actual real tattoos or just kids tattoos but there was a tattoo parlor in the fan village 
Um, so you've got the, you've got the Majestics logo on your back then now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was a much better um, event than last year, and I was quite impressed. Um, I thought it, it 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 was a bit strange because I, I saw the first tee shots in the first hole of the shotgun start. It was Cameron Smith, Louis Eustazen, and Henrik Stenson, and they were playing music as they hit their shots. Mm. Which always is always a bit strange at a golf course. You never obviously you've never seen that ever, really. Um and they it was quite funny. They played they played um Ice Ice Baby as Henrik Stenson teed off, supposedly being called the Ice Man. Um But I I just thought it was a much better event than than last year and it looked like what Liv want to do. Um certainly certainly going forwards. Um, it sounds as though Centurion or the UK event will go on to be um, the Majestic's home course or the home event. So having spoken to uh, one of the team members at Live while I was there, it seems like they're pushing towards this concept of home courses. So Valderrama would have been the Fireball's home course last year, yeah. uh, last week or the, or the other week. And Adelaide would be for Cameron Smith and Marley yeah. to rip a GC, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe a South African golf course next year would be mm. um, the home team of Stinger with Oosthuizen and, and Schwartz and whatnot. So that's, that's, I found that quite interesting. Um, but did you watch any of it? Did you see any of it? Yeah, no, I did. I did watch bits of it, yeah. And just, just going back to that home club sort of feel, I think it, it's not a bad idea, especially when you've got... Um, international players and I say that because a lot of the players involved are American so I say international mm. players there is an obviously you know a lot of the events this season have been in in the states um but I think that's a good idea you know to have you know the London event you know you can set you know Adelaide again for for like I say for Ripper um as you mentioned South African event whether it be Cape Town or Johannesburg somewhere like that obviously we know that the DP World Tour has its little South African swing usually in November and December to start the the new campaign. Um, so that could very well be, you know, a, a good way for people to get involved. And, you know, everyone, you look at football, cricket, you know, Formula One, as we mentioned, you have your own team, you know, you support a team. Golf has been very much an individual sport where you think, oh, yeah, I quite like the look of this guy, you know, Tiger, Rory, John Rahm. So the team aspect of that and having a home team, if you're a South African fan and you can support a home team and, you know, visit and go and yeah. watch the go and watch the event at a club that's, you know, within an hour of yourselves and it's all about the South African team. I think that could be a good way to go because obviously that's not anything else that realistically only the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup really have that in terms of of men's golf, obviously the Solheim Cup as well in, in women's golf, in terms of that team aspect of playing home or away. Um, mm. But yeah, I did watch bits of it and it did look a lot better than it did, like you say, 12 months ago when it was first at Centurion. It looked a lot more, I don't know if professional is the right word for mm. it, you know, because it wasn't really an amateur setup to start with, obviously, but it looked a lot more like it had its own identity. Yeah, if that's the way to describe it, you know, you you got the other team feel, um, the shotgun starts and so on, but it it did look a lot better than it did twelve months ago when, of course, it was just an invitational event, and now all these players are obviously contracted and 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 so mm. on. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. Um, but you know, only time will tell as to whether this, as we ca- as we probably said twelve months ago, yeah. um, it's still in its its infancy compared to the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Um, 
then obviously there's still that talk of will there be a women's tour joining? Mm. You know, there's been talk of that. Um, and if if it was, if there was, do you think that would help live live golf? Yeah, well, I think when Greg Norman said that, I might be wrong, but I think the LPJ Tour commissioner then then responded and said there hasn't there hasn't been there hasn't been um, as substantial talks as Norman mm. has suggested. But um, you've got the Aramco Team Series, haven't you? That's um, that's an example of how Saudi Arabia have dipped into women's golf. So, yeah. and that's this week at Centurion as well, of course. Yes, definitely. Yeah, of course it is. Mm. Um, and I think if Liv were to start a women's tour, I think it might help them to sort of increase their legitimacy in, in the eyes of the golf public. Yeah. Um, and to expand into the women's market for fans and, and yeah. new players as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a consideration that has definitely been flagged up by by Liv. It would be an mm. obvious thing to do, wouldn't it? It, yeah. it, would be, it would be an obvious thing to sort of remove doubters and remove... Um, sort of negative remarks would be to expand into the women's game. And, you know, I, I, I don't see Liv going anywhere in, 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 in the near future, to be honest, um, as much as Roy McIlroy wants it to and other people want it to or think it will. I don't yeah. see why it would. Um, it would just, it would just carry on um, in, in, in this sort of world that we're in. That we're in. So I, I do, I, I do foresee the next few years, some sort of, um, you know, like some sort of women's structure with live golf, definitely. But I thought um, I mentioned the music being played on the tee boxes. There, I was on the first tee for the shotgun start. Um, we, we were I know what you're going to mention here. I yeah, know what you're going to mention here. We were advised to get there early, and for, for good reason, because then a flash mob, <laughs> a flash mob of volunteers and fellas in suits, started dancing on the first tee box, and you know. <laughs> I thought it was quite. I thought it was quite entertaining. I thought it was quite funny. I was sort of stood there filming it and like laughing to myself because I, I, I just thought, I just thought this is just the most out there, like extraordinary experience at a golf course I've ever yeah. seen. Like you're not going to get that at Wentworth or TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, it was just, <clears throat> it was just something I never thought I'd ever see at a golf tournament. But, I, but at the same time, I just thought, fair play. This is what they're doing. This is what they want to do, um, and there were big crowds there who who, who enjoyed it. They, they, they did enjoy it, um, and I, th- I thought it was just funny. I thought it was good. Did you? Did you? Were you a fan of the flash mob? I mean, <laughs> only Live Golf could do it. You know, yeah. if PGA Tour had done that at, at, at Deer Run this week, then all hell would probably have broken loose on social media, <laughs> yeah. you know, and sort of thinking, what, you know, what's the PGA Tour doing, blah, blah, blah. But Live Golf is this sort of, you know, maybe outlandish isn't the word, but, you know, it is the tour that can put, it is pushing boundaries, you know, um, in terms of the team aspect and, and shotgun starts and music being played, as you mentioned, on tee boxes and, and having, you know, party holes and things like this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the, it, you know, I didn't feel like it was, it maybe wasn't necessary, you know, for, for <laughs> no, not anyone was expecting it, but you can't say it didn't add another talking point and, you know, it, it added an, another bit of excitement to the action. And, and mm. that's what Live Golf is trying to do. They want people talking about it. They want they want people coming in and watching, you know, their product. And, and that's just another way of, of trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, honestly, I thought, I, I quite liked it. I thought it was entertaining. 
it got quite a bit of stick on Twitter, which I thought, well, that was just inevitable. Yeah. Um, but but I thought it was funny. I, I I thought it was good. Um, it was a good. It, it was a really good week. Um, well, f- f- a couple of days, I should say. Um, I managed to join a, a session with Taylor Gooch, which was which was quite interesting. You can read about that on the on the um, on the NCG website. I also managed to speak to Harold Varner the third after his first rounds. Um, I enjoyed speaking to him. Quite, I only speak, spoke to him quite briefly, um, but he brought up an interesting concept. I saw. I he's not in the field next week for the for the in two weeks for the Open. Um, but he played very well last year at St Andrews. Got a top thirty finish at the hundred fiftieth. You know the Open everyone wanted to play at. Um, and he sort of said, "I said, does losing major exemptions in your mind is that is that a concern moving forward?" Being with Live Golf, and he said, if, "If I was concerned about losing major exemptions, I wouldn't have joined Live Golf." So I thought that was quite interesting. This because there's some players that are quite concerned about losing major exemptions, but but Varner seemed very content with just you know bowling along with Live. He won earlier in the season in DC. Um, he's he's a big family man. He said that. Um, he said he thinks you know, as a golfer or as, a, as anyone, you, you have to be a family man. You have to provide for your family. And that's what he said when he joined Live Golf. He, he he's he's going to earn generational wealth. Um, and he's previously said in, in an interview, um, I, th- I think it was with the Washington Post. He previously said he knows what it's like to grow up with not much. Yeah. And so he's joined Live Golf um, to set up his family, and so that that's what he's focused on. Um, but I did find it interesting that he wasn't that concerned with potentially losing major exemptions in the future. Yeah. Like you say, I think he's obviously at that point in his career where, like you say, you know he didn't grow up with much. He wants to make sure that his his family are well provided for. Um, you know, I think it, is it the best mindset to have? I think maybe for for someone like Harold, maybe it is. Would you argue that he's good enough to win a major? Maybe, maybe not. Mm. You know, um, but. If he plays live golf and plays well, and and he's on there for four or five years, he's gonna, you know, he's he's gonna be able to provide for it for his his family. And I did also see that prior to the the week, I think he spoke to um, young black British golfers um, at Centurion, which I thought was a very good very good thing. I think he said he made a comment saying, you know, we're not we're not black British. They're not black British golfers. They're just golfers. Yeah, which I thought was a very good comment to make, and so to see to see him do that, and I thought was was very good actually, and very good for live golf as well as a sort of you know another stepping stone into helping communities. Um, yeah, well, he, he, he did say afterwards that um, <clears throat> he said in my chat with him that he he is helping a lot of people, and I think that's what live I think that's what live intend to do. I saw a clip of um, I think Deshambo, I can't remember what other player it was. They were they were running a clinic for um, visually impaired golfers as well. And I mentioned yes. the little sticks, the little sticks thing earlier. Um, so Liv are definitely touch. Liv are definitely aiming um, their resources and players um, in sort of departments and, and initiatives that we haven't really seen before, really. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've got a very a good sort of community vibe going mm. on. Um, I think it was Ian Poulter and I think was it Henrik Stenson. I think with the, with the little sticks this week, I saw a video of Ian Poulter in the. In the big inflatable suit, as, as yeah, Henry yeah. was trying to help kids hit balls at him, or you know something along those lines. Um, 
and it, they said even in the press conference that, that was something they'd done in I think it was Orlando as well. Mm. Um, so obviously they're trying to do this, you know, worldwide, and that can only help grow the game. You know, obviously people will have their comments as to where their money's coming from, and you know, are the players doing this for the right reasons and so on. But if it helps get more people into the sport, more young mm. people into the sport, surely that's a good thing well, for golf. Cer- certainly, I mean. Increasing the audience, helping sort of minorities, and um, you know, helping disabled people play golf. It's just, it's yeah. just absolutely some some of these initiatives that I saw. I mean, it's it's hard not well, that we've seen on social media as well. It's hard not to, it's hard not to be impressed. Um, re- referring back to sort of Varner's comments on the major exemptions, um, he was one that didn't go to he was one that didn't go to a final open qualifying. Um, along with several of them, we have yeah, to say. <laughs> along with several of them. And and, and and Sergio Garcia on Tuesday at West Lanks, um, I was there all day watching him. And uh, likes Graham McDowell, Matthew Jordan, um, Matt Wallace, Alex Fitzpatrick. Um, Sergio Garcia got a lot of credit for sort of going down swinging, if, if, if you know what I mean. He, 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 he has so much respect for the Open. He made 25, 26 consecutive appearances. He's got a massive respect for the Open and, and Lynx Golf. And he went there, um, wanted to qualify. I'm not saying the ones that don't, that, that didn't try, they don't respect the Open or Lynx Golf. That's not true. But Garcia and um, a host of other players across um, other um, Open qualifying meetings, uh, Charles Schwartzel, Brandon Grace, they, those two qualified at Royal Sinkports. Um they went down swinging, didn't they? They they, they really they really um, care about wanting to still play in the Open and playing the majors. Um, but it, it, it was a shame to watch Garcia not qualify. He shot five under a par in the morning, and that was in contention. It was it was you right up there. Yeah, <clears throat> nine under would have done it. Nine under, I believe, Tiger Christensen and Alex Fitzpatrick finished on nine under, so he would at least got into a playoff for a place. Yeah, and. It, 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 it was it was it was a great shame. Um, have you ever, have you ever had any sort of experiences of open qualifying before? Have you been to it at all? Uh, do you know I I went to uh, um, Hillside a couple of years ago when it was there, um, just to, just to you know see what the you know what some call golf's greatest day or you know especially mm-hmm. in in the UK golf's greatest day um, was like and it is a very sort of surreal atmosphere because there's sort of Everyone's there to enjoy the golf, and you know you can just walk around as as you would have done at West Lanks. You, you just basically you can basically stand on the green, um, mm. as, like like those what runaway ducks did on uh, at West Lanks. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, <clears throat> it's very weird because obviously you know I've been to the BMW PGA before, and and, and it's very you know you ropes off and you, you're further away, you know, and, and it's all very respectful. Not that it's not respectful at open qualifying, but you're a lot closer to the action. Mm. You know, it's a lot more intimates and so on but you can feel the tension in the air because you know there's however many was it 288 players across the four four different venues this week Mm. knew what was on the line and it's a place you know at the one of the world's oldest and most important tournaments um oh yeah the crowds were just unbelievable i arrived at 10 past seven in the morning i parked up at west lanks um and they were teeing off in 10 minutes after that and the crowd, I couldn't believe the crowds. I, I, I thought I'd be there with a few people to begin with, and then they grow during the day. But there were hundreds following Sergio. I mean, yeah. what what a crowd drawer. 
what a sort of it really confirmed to me how much of a I mean not that I needed it anyway but he is an icon of golf no matter how many discrepancies he commits no no matter how he behaves you know and he has behaved pretty questionably in in last few years withdrawing from the PGA having that massive strong worded rant at the Wells Fargo when he left the PGA Tour and that is just two instances of a long list of things that Garcia has done to suggest that he's you know, behaves quite childishly a, a lot of the time, but it, he's he was he's clearly a massive crowd drawer, and yeah. people want to see him. People want to see him um, yeah. on one hole on the seventh at West Lanks. Um, it's got an, it's an elevated tee box, and we gathered round um, a couple of holes in advance, waiting for Garcia to arrive. And one of the marshals sort of said, "You're all going to have to leave soon because is this, this is too close." Even though we just seen two groups come through, and we were that close anyway. But but just getting up that close and personal with Garcia um, and other players, you can you get dead close to Graham McDowell, um, obviously a US Open champion as well. Um, but there must there was easily over a thousand people there at the end, yeah. um, and it was and it was all and it was all because of of, of Garcia. Yeah, and uh, you got to speak to him as well. Yeah, so there were <clears> me and a couple of members of the media there at the end, and we, we were uh, after a disappointing finish, we were. We we're wondering if he wanted, if he fancied talking to us, but 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 he did. He gave us his time. He he did, he did look gutted. He, he looked really gutted. Um, he was a bit solemn afterwards. He he spoke sort of quietly, but he spoke at length, you know, about his disappointment. Um, he he massively appreciated the fans coming out to watch him. Um, and there would have been fans there to watch, like to Matthew Jordan as a Hoylake member and Graham McDowell and other people. But there would have been an absolute fraction if if there wasn't if Garcia wasn't there. Um, but he spoke afterwards. He, he, he was he was very disappointed. Um, it, it was always a tournament. Well, it is a tournament. It's always got away from him. From him, isn't it? He's he's had a lot yeah. of close calls. He had a he's close had call at Hoylake in 2014. He pushed Rory to the end. <clears throat> um, but yeah, disappointing to see him not qualify. To be fair, yeah. But like you say, like you say, there was there were some big names that that did qualify, mm. like Matt Wallace. You said obviously Matthew Jordan, who's the hometown hero. Um, there were some big names that that qualified. Also the the South Africans, um, yes. Charles Schwartzel, Brandon Grace, um, Thomas Dietrich was among them. Um, but yeah, I think one of the stories of the week was definitely um, the fact that there will be Tiger at um, at yeah. Royal Liverpool. Yeah, um, we should have some content coming out about him this week because we managed to speak to him afterwards as well. Um, he was very, very, very confident, lad. Um, he said he was fairly certain of qualifying before he turned up because his friends had qualified at US Open qualifying and that really spurred him on to go to, to West Lanks and qualify for the Open. Um, he played with Alex Fitzpatrick, so they both were having a good round together in their group. Um, they were the group behind Garcia, Matthew Jordan and Jamie Donaldson as well. So they had quite the crowd following them, um, but yeah, he was very confident. Um, he's not called Tiger because of Tiger Woods. He's called Tiger because his dad's friend um, is a retired boxer, and his name was Tiger. So that's the reason why he's called Tiger. Um, he's an amateur, so it'd be great to see him have a go at um, trying to get the amateur honours at the Open. And he's definitely a player to follow, I think. Yeah. Well, he was the. I, I was just going through through all the results. Again. He was actually the only amateur to qualify uh, of the nineteen players wow. that actually made it through. Um, and usually, you see three or four actually come through qualifying because a lot of amateurs take part in in open qualifying. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, he was the only amateur, and of course, you know, it does give you the story of 
Tiger will be at the Open. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and insert clickbaity headline here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like you say, it will be good to see, and you know he'll be one of several amateurs aiming for the for the silver medal mm. um, and the low amateur title uh, in uh, a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I think this week for us, I think it's going to be the calm before the storm, isn't it? Because we've got this week um, and then a very busy week next week at the Open. Um, we're going to be there all week, aren't we? I can't, I just want to, I, I can't wait. I, I think the Open is just. I mean, I love going to watch live football. Um, I've, 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 gone, I've been to watch cricket. That's good. Life football is amazing, but there's something about golf, like particularly at the, at the final open qualifying. Say if Sergio or McDowell were just stood, I don't know, getting something out of their bag, you have fans just stood there and just staring at them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like professional golfers are just regarded as like gods, aren't they? You, you yeah. Just as they walk through the ropes and through to the tee boxes and stuff, the fans just sort of just go like that, don't they, and just stare at them. Yeah, and I don't think that's the same in any other sport. No, I mean, I, I think with obviously with golf, you seem to you get a lot closer to the action than you do at, at mm. other sports. You know, you can sort of you know walk the hallowed turf of St Andrews or, or West Lanks or you know Hillside wherever. But yeah, it's just a different vibe, and like you say, you know, they could be sim- simple as getting a tea out of the bag or a bottle of water, or and it's just like, oh my god, that's Sergio! Yeah. Wow, yeah. And then you just find yourself staring, and it's it's a very weird thing to do, but it is one of the best things to do in yeah, life. Yeah. At West Lanks, I was walking along with um, a member from Southport and Ainsdale that I know, um, and his wife, and we were walking along um, off one of the tea boxes, and I just sort of turned around, and, and Garcia was just walking straight past me, like inches from me. I know it sounds ridiculous because it's just like another person, and all we're doing is walking next to each other. But it is surreal when you watch these people on TV for so many years and you, and you root for them and they're just world superstars of their sport and they're literally just there. It is, yeah. it is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling in golf, in, in specifically golf, that I don't think um, non-golfers or, or non-golf fans would be able to understand, I think. It's, it's, it's that feeling. Yeah, it, I do. I completely understand what you're coming from. Completely understand where you're coming from. It is something completely different because you see it's, you're not just you know right next to them but you're seeing them in their surroundings mm. you know what they do best mm. um it, yeah it's very it's a very surreal feeling yeah but um so we've got this week and then the open the week after so we'll have we'll have next week we'll have an open preview certainly um discussing who who will who we think will win who we think will win the claret jug um having seen what happens at the scottish open um and whatnot so yeah, we'll be back next week. I don't know where we'll be doing it next week. Might be, might be, um, might be recording from Hoylake. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, well, <clears throat> well, it depends. I think I think if we go down the Monday, it might be a it might be a Hoylake job actually. Um, but obviously, like, yeah, like we mentioned, obviously the Scottish Open next week, obviously major event on the on the mm. DP World Tour, and of course now a cross event with the with the PGA Tour as well. So it's a, a huge field um, this week at the Renaissance Club, and it's going to be very exciting to see. Who comes out on top? Certainly, I mean the race. Yeah, as you say, the Scottish Open is going to be fantastic. A world class field, um, and a nice co-sanctioned event with a big prize fund as well across the DP Worlds on the PJ Tour. So, I suppose we are getting a bit excited early for the Open. We have got another week um, to go, but I can't. But it's wait. the Open. It's yeah. the Open. <laughs> yeah, it's I the can't open. wait. I can't wait. No one can wait. Um, so yeah, I say we'll be back next week. Um, I just like to say. 
Of course, this podcast is associated with Callaway, sponsored by Callaway. And of course, Rasmus Hoygaard, as we mentioned earlier, won on the DP World Tour, is a Callaway player. And all three players that qualify for the Open um, at the at the, Scott, at, at the Made in Himalayas, Kali Samuja, uh, Mark Warren and Nacho Avira are all Callaway players as well. So it is no coincidence that um, these players are absolutely smashing it on tour this year. Or they've all qualified for the Open. Another win for Hoygaard. And, and they all uh, belong to Callaway. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to chatting next week. And, yeah, thanks very much, Matt. No, thank you. Let's, uh, we'll enjoy the Renaissance Club and hopefully we'll do this at Hoylake in seven days' time. Certainly, certainly. Right, cheers, <laughs> mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.